0: you're still with us and I apologize again so we'll have time for about half of tonight's okay. issue uh so it's a double parsha and half a shear so we'll go for it uh so we're going we are on um if you're with me in this stone formation, it's on page 648 uh, it's the beginning of Perak Yudhas. Now, our Parsha or the, the Parsha Bachimus, the first part of it deals with Yom Kippur. And actually, I had something in mind to say about that, but we'll we'll leave it for this for tonight. Um and um and the but the second part of the parsha. Uh, begins with a generic or a kind of sweeping exhortation about chukos HaGoyim. So let's take a look at the beginning of chapter 18, I am the Lord your God. Now that formula, appears many times in parshas, uh, or several times in parshas achremos, repeatedly in parshas Kedoshim, about 20 times in parshas Kedoshim, However, there's a big difference here. In all of those cases, it says after the mitzvah, after the uh uh whether it's a positive commandment or a negative commandment, or sometimes it's a, a series. We have some psukim in, in Kedoshim where one pasuk might have two or three mitzvahs in a single pasuk. And it frequently ends ani hashem al-keichem. However, here it says ani hashem al before. Any mitzvah has been communicated. Take another look. Uh, the message has not been communicated yet. This is rare that the Torah introduces the mitzvah with that formula. And again, we have Hashem saying to Moshe, tell B'nai Israel." I mean, that is certainly not a novel um, uh, a statement, a novel sort of revelation. Then we continue. Now those last words, "Hukosehem do not walk in their statutes. Is one of the mitzvahs of the Torah. It's known as Hukos Hagoyim, the prohibition of um, following the ways of the heathen nations. Now, the Torah contains within it many specific commandments, as we know, many positive commandments, many negative commandments, I'm stating the obvious, many of which are associated with the idolatrous habits of the heathen nations, or just generally habits of people who are um, avaricious, or people who are aggressive, or people who are lawless, and the Torah says many commandments about uh, paying a worker on time, about a prohibition of uh, um, dishonesty, etc., etc. The formula, however, is seen as an overarching uh, I was going to say exhortation, but it's more than that, because it is a mitzvah, it's among the tari mitzvahs of the Torah, which refers to behavior which is somehow associated with idolatry, which is characteristic of pagan or heathen ways. Even if, per se, it is not an example of an idolatrous practice or form of worship, but if it is something which is associated with the habits, the cultural trappings, of idolatry than the Torah forbids it. The reference to Canaan and the reference to Mitzrayim, Mitzrayim that you've left, Canaan where I'm bringing you, are seen as examples uh, like, um, uh, pra- practical, pertinent examples because they were in Egypt for several generations. They're going to Canaan and they're going to displace the Canaan Kana- the, the if they do the, the job properly. And therefore, the Torah says, do not be influenced by them, do not follow in their ways. Then we have his Mishma Taitasu, and the once more. I want to tell you what Ashik says something very interesting. And that gives the source, by the way, uh, what we're going to t- say now, is the source of the, hopefully, catchy title for tonight. Now hear this. Ach says as follows. In addition to the observation that the Torah says, before conveying any message, there's another interesting feature here. And that is that Hashem says to Moshe, speak to the children of Israel in the first person. Meaning, speak to them In my name, as if you are me. Take a close look at that possible Gimel. But look, follow closely. That where I am bringing you there. Now, it's God who's going to bring the Jewish people there. It's probably true that Moshe, at least at one level, was expecting that he would bring them, but he was only going to lead them into the land. Of course, in the end, that didn't happen either. But it's clear that when Moshe said, or when Hashem says to Moshe, tell them where I, the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you, it is clear that <clears throat> Hashem intends for Moshe to assume the guise, uh, not, not the guise, but to, to speak as to the Jewish people as if God himself is speaking through the, the, the voice of Moshe. And that is not the norm. Usually, Moshe refers to Hashem in the third person. Hashem addresses the Jewish people, and he says, Hashem is going to do this for you. Hashem is promising you this. Hashem is warning you about this. Hashem is commanding you about this. But here, Moshe speaks as if God is speaking. Now, it is true that Hashem did speak to the Jewish people initially for two mitzvahs, two of the Ten Commandments. They couldn't tolerate anymore. They couldn't They couldn't endure anymore. All the rest of the mitzvahs were communicated by Moshe. Says Alshech. That because of the importance of this mitzvah, therefore, in order to highlight, in order to uh, like uh, uh, reflect the extreme importance, so Hashem says to Moshe, tell the Jewish people, Ani it's like uh, alerting them to the extreme importance of that which follows. And that is also why, excuse me, Moshe is instructive, to speak to the Jewish people in the name of God, as if Hashem Himself is speaking. Not to uh, emulate, or not to follow, or not to to ape the ways of the nations, Hashem, but rather to keep the commandments of God, ves mitzvah sav and his commandments, t'luya kol haTorah, torah All of the Torah is dependent on this. And that's why we have the unique emphasis here. And that's why, as I said, uh, Moshe is told to speak as if he is speaking directly in the name of God. I think this is an interesting uh, position that Al-Sheikh is representing here because many mitzvahs of the Torah are, let's say, um, uh, natural, meaning the the temptation to transgress them for most people, conventional people, is, is not uh, acute. I'm talking about things like uh, murder, uh, extreme aggression, uh, you know, some of the more egregious, not that they're unknown, but, um, you know, in in polite society, uh, one is not at risk of transgressing them in an outright sense. There are other mitzvahs of the Torah, however, which are much more subtle, and we may struggle with when I say subtle, I mean we're more tempted by them. But then there's a further category of behavior, which doesn't represent a violation of a mitzvah of the Torah, but it is a habit, it is a a, a lifestyle which is foreign to the values of the Torah. I find this almost reminiscent of what Ramban says in the beginning of Parshas Kadoshim, where he speaks in a very famous one of their very famous turns of phrase of Ramban, which he says the when the Torah says Kadoshim to you, you shall be holy. The Torah is instructing us not to be. Uh, uh, he used the expression Naval Torah. Do not be degenerate. The Torah is warning against degeneracy with the permission of the Torah. Because the Torah does not and cannot proscribe and forbid every example of behavior which is unworthy, which is coarse, which is uncouth, behavior which is uh um. Like gluttony and other forms of behavior, which are a violation of the principle of being holy. And therefore, the Torah says Kadoshim to you as an overarching principle. I find that Al Shikh, I would suggest, has a similar impulse here, in which he says this principle of not emulating or, or uh, aping the ways of the nations of the world is uh, a Fundamental teaching, a fundamental principle upon which so much of the of the mitzvahs of the Torah are dependent. Uh, Ibn Ezra says that the uh, uh, chukos hagoyim, the word chukos, chok, we know is an ordinance or a statute, something which uh is a um like a. I mean, I rendered it a few minutes ago. A, a cultural feature of the nations of the world, but the word chok also literally means to inscribe. Chakuk is to inscribe or to engrave. So Ibn says it's like deeply ingrained habits. Do not uh, embrace the habits of the nations of the world which becomes so much a part of your character that it's difficult to ex- extricate yourself from that way of thinking or way of living. Uh, the the n- lifestyle, of a Jewish person should be something not necessarily in appearance in a kind of striking manner, although there are many Jews who, for reasons of religious principle, do dress in an overtly Jewish way. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I'm also saying it's not necessarily the the uh, essence of this mitzvah. You should don't dress in a, in a tie or in a shirt. Shirt from Charles Tyrwhitt, which everybody buys Charles Tyrwhitt shirts, although I think they probably buy more of them in Lakewood per capita than anywhere else in the world. But my point is that a person's behavior, a person's manner, a person's uh, uh, habits of speech and of behavior generally should be speak- Jewish values, so that if a person spends an hour or a day in the company of a Jewish person, he becomes aware that this individual, this Jewish person, is not conducting himself or herself in a way which is reminiscent, which is which is characteristic of the heathens or the pagans, the person, the way he speaks, the way he makes a bracha on, on food before and after, the way he avoids lashon hara, the way he uh, addresses... These people in a respectful and sensitive manner. And these may not be uniquely Jewish characteristics, but nevertheless, they should reflect the values of a Jewish person. I know I'm getting it back into Musa, which is not usually my habit in this uh, shir. Um, but I, I found it very uh, insightful what uh, al says when he maintains that this principle, don't follow the ways of the heathens, Rather keep the mitzvahs of the Torah. He says, "Tuluya kol Torah. The whole Torah is dependent on this, and that's why it's introduced in these terms, which are distinct, subtly distinctive. Ani Hashem, kechem is the intro, and Moshe speaks as if he's actually articulating the the word of God, rather than in the third person as he would as he normally does. Okay, we've got a few minutes left in our uh, uh, abbreviated shiur, and I want to turn. Please, to the beginning of Parshish's Kadoshim. Now, those who have been coming to Kesher over a period of time or come to my Shurim um, in the past uh, may have heard me mention this because even before I embraced Al Shikh as my friend for the year, this particular passage is one that I have found very inspiring in the uh, commentary of Moshe al And there, I have mentioned it before in the past. I'm just mentioning uh, most of what I have to say. In the al Shior is new. It's new to me, and I hope it's new to you. This one I happen to be familiar with. V'adib HaShem, let's begin. Kedoshim, if you're with this, to me in the stone, Chomash, it's page 656, six, chapter 19. V'adib HaShem, let's begin. Now, this formula sounds as if it's uh, the same intro with which many mitzvahs of the Torah are are uh, prefaced. God spoke to Moshe saying, the bear el Israel. However, there's a difference here because if you look closely, which I'm sure you have, it says, the bear el call Adas Israel. And that is unusual. Absolutely unique, but it is certainly notable that this Parsha, and it's the beginning of our Sedra, Parshas Kedoshim, although it's in the middle of uh, Ahremos Kedoshim, but nevertheless, it is a prominent uh, formula, and that is to say, it introduces, precedes all of the fascinating and um, extremely relevant mitzvahs of Parshas Kedoshim, and it says, el- kolad speak to all of the congregation of the children of Israel, kedushim, to you, and say to them, you shall be holy. So Rashi already and many of the asked what was distinctive, what was um, uh, notable about this particular passage, that it was Nema it was uh, communicated in a, in a, um, to the entire Jewish people. And even though of course all of the Torah was ultimately like Passed on to the Jewish people, but we have a form in which Moshe spoke to Aaron and to the sons of Aaron and to the elders, et cetera. And the, the message was like uh, disseminated among the Jewish people in that way. Here it says clearly, Israel says Ramosha al-Sheikh, this uh charge, this commandment, Kedoshim you shall be holy, may well be regarded as something which is beyond the ken, beyond the ambit or the grasp of the hamon Am. A person may well imagine there are holy people, there are righteous people, there are great people, there are ex- exemplary people within any given population, And the Jewish population certainly has such distinguished, exceptional, extraordinary, holy people. Every generation has them. Some generations are maybe blessed to a greater extent than other generations. There are such people, but those are the elite. Those are the exceptional people. It's not within the grasp of of the common man or woman to achieve a designation of holiness. Therefore, to dispute or to refute that uh, position, the Torah says, Daber el kol adas b'nei Israel." speak to the entire congregation of Israel and tell them "Kedushim to you. It is not so that the status of holiness is only achievable by a select few. Every Jew has the capacity to improve him or herself, to elevate, to refine himself to the point of kedoshim. And he quotes, a. Uh, he refers to the famous brisa of Rab'chilchus ben Yair, it's in the sect of Orozora um, 20, B. ha'mon zahirus Zehiruz m'vialidei z'rizuz. Oshin, zahirus brings to, z'rizuz is alacrity, and alacrity brings to a further quality. And this is a list of features, of qualities. One brings the other in its train one who has achieved one level can ascend to the next and then beyond and then beyond. Uh, ultimately, we've got Ruach HaKodesh and we have the most exalted levels of achievement even to the point of prophecy. You may be aware that Mesilas Yesharim, the famous book by Moshe Rosh Sato, is actually based on that price of Rav Rosh HaKodesh Al Yara. The Torah actually is providing us here firstly with the uh uh, um, charge, to aspire to holiness, and also, we have in this, uh, this brysa almost a, a formula, step by step, again, I'm not suggesting it can be achieved in an afternoon, or even in a, in a year, it may be a lifetime's endeavor, and a person probably needs to revisit each of those stages, in order to further refine his character, in order to ascend to the next one, but it is achievable, this is the idea that uh, Ramush al-sheikh emphasizes here. and I would like to offer a little analogy. Uh, in May 1954, it was the 6th of May to be exact 1954, uh one of the great, Uh, events, one of the great uh, sporting achievements, probably of all time, was recorded here in Britain when Roger Bannister, at that time was a junior doctor, didn't have even much time to train for track and field um, because he was uh, was busy with his career, actually became a distinguished neurologist, I think, as well. I became Sir Roger Bannister, but of course, you know what I'm getting at. He ran a four-minute mile. And that was an achievement that shocked or rocked the the Jewish world, not so much the Jewish world, but the world at large. But what I want to tell you is something fascinating, and it's actually well documented, that within a matter of weeks after, in fact, within a matter of days, I think, after Roger Bannister ran the first four-minute mile, other athletes, other track and field uh, athletes replicated his achievement. And I think within 56 days, his record was broken by someone who ran a, a, a faster sub a four minute mile than he did. The remarkable thing is, and that's the idea I want to share with you, and that's the idea with, with, with which we will conclude. The remarkable thing is that the idea of running a mile in four minutes was regarded for a long time, for decades, maybe for generations, as something that was beyond the possibility of human athleticism. It had never before been recorded, such an achievement. And when accurate timekeeping was uh, already widespread, uh, no one had achieved that. And the world record began to drop by fractions, fractions of a second. But it wasn't clear to Anyone, probably the experts expected someone would achieve it. But it was for a long time regarded as the frontier, the threshold of human capability in terms of, of uh, the, the ability of a human being to, to run at a, at a fast pace over a, a mile, over the course of a mile. Once Roger Bannister did it, the psychological awareness that it can be achieved, of course, Uh, uh, burst onto the scene. And within, as I said, days or certainly weeks, other athletes all over the world are able to replicate the feat. Meaning the barrier was not so much one of the ability of a particular uh, runner, but the barrier was in his mind, the expectation that it cannot be achieved. Once it was clear that it could be achieved, So many, many people did it, and now it's still a very great personal achievement to run a four-minute mile, but who knows how many have done it since then, probably thousands, probably more even. It's not necessarily because, certainly in the early days, it wasn't because of better training techniques or different conditions or a different uh, uh, diet or anything like that. It was all in the mind, and that is what Al-Sheikh is saying here as well. Kedoshim T.U. Don't imagine that the status, the level of Kedusha, which probably is uh, impossible to absolutely define, but whatever Kedusha is, we can all achieve it. Each of us can achieve it. Maybe each according to our own circumstances, each in our own way. That's what the Torah says here. Speak to all of the children of Israel, the entire congregation. Kedoshim T.U. is an aspiration to which every Jew can ascend, each in his or her own way. It is not something that's only for the elite. Everyone can achieve that. I'm sorry we've run over today, which did sort of a bit late as well, though I apologize for that, also due to technical difficulties. Hopefully we'll continue next week, and I look forward to seeing you then. And Shabbos, we are doing um, uh, Only the Good Die Young, Uh, Religious Ardor and Its Perils, is the Dvar Torah after Kiddush. And for Pirkei Alvos at seven o'clock, we are doing Prepare for the Banquet, seven o'clock for uh, Pirkei Alvos and Shabbos at Kesher. Look forward to seeing you and uh, everyone, uh, Shabbat Shalom. Mu'varaq. Shabbat Shalom and thank you also. Thank you very also. much. Thank you. I'm also sorry. for the reference to Naval Bershut Torah, I look it up in the Sefaria now, and they found that it is an Ramban. Moshe ben Nachman. It's a very important, fascinating piece of Ramban. You'll find it yeah. in the Ramban right over there at the beginning of the parasha. It's one of his very, very famous turns of phrase. Enjoy. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Thank you, so Rabbi Simon. Good Shabbos. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi. i apologize. apologizing. Thank for thank thank you, Rabbi. I remember that's the right, Rabbi. Mr. Lott, I'm so sorry. Bye. Bye bye. What about the bride? So, I'm sorry, that's Uncle Martin. Uncle Martin says he's it's condolences about us, but he's very sorry about Arsenal. No, not condolences. Oh, so. He just said he was sympathizing with you. I'll you are there, I'll say you are. I'll say you are. Oh, sorry.